Y'all gonna have to come up with a better name. Tonight's message a little different. Um, I want you to raise your hand if you have ever been bombarded or overwhelmed with some of these things I've got listed here. Um, raise your hand if uh, you've ever been bombarded with um, struggling to find God's will in your life. Just, just keep your hand there. If you've ever been bombarded by complaint from other people in your life. You've ever been bombarded from just plain out fear? You've ever been bombarded because you didn't know if you were the right person for the job? Have you ever been bombarded because you neglect to see God's promises in your life? Have you ever been bombarded because you didn't know and you couldn't see God working? Raise your hand if you've ever been felt, okay, get them down, we're Baptists. All right. <laughs> I think at some point in our life, at some place in our life, we've all felt bombardment. And as I got to studying that topic, as I got to thinking about that topic and, and, and talking to y'all about it that tonight, I got to thinking about my, my Savior. And I got to thinking about the men and women that followed Him. And the Old Testament examples that we have. And let me tell you, these humble people were not weak people. These humble people, as one man called it, were tough as nails. They were tough people. They did the things that nobody else wanted to do. They did the things that God called them to do, even though they couldn't see a positive result coming from it. And I just want to take a minute tonight to reflect on that. And if you want to put a title on this one, you can say, Tough as Nails. But I want to be a Christian that resembles, in some facet, my Lord and Savior. And if I'm going to do that, then there's going to come points in my life where I'm going to be faced with struggles, where I'm going to be faced with big things. And I've just got to hunker down and realize that he's in control and move on through it. If you will tonight, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And to get started, let's stand uh, and read God's Word tonight. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. It says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and it is set down and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint 
in your minds. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Dear Lord, help us to take it and apply it to our lives tonight. Dear Lord, help me to communicate the message that you have here for us to hear tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the examples that we have of Old Testament saints from the apostles to the disciples to ultimately you, Lord. Help us to reflect on those examples and live our lives so that we can honor and glorify you more. Forgive us all our sins. In your name I pray. Amen. We start off in chapter 12 with one word. It says, wherefore. And, and we immediately have to go back and we have to see what that wherefore is there for. And we have to see why the wherefore is said. And it's because there's a context that's coming here out of chapter 11 that we have to go back and we have to look at to understand the context of chapter 12. And, and what's being said here is wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. You notice that the transition, the comma is right there. And what he's saying, he's saying go back and look at what we just talked about in chapter 11. And so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to just take a moment to go back and look at these and look at the struggles that they faced. In chapter 11, it's a very familiar chapter of the Bible that takes us into the Old Testament and seeing men and women of faith and how they relied so much on their faith to get them through. And the first one I, I came across as I was reading this that I connected myself with was Noah. You know, there's been times in my life where I thought, you know, the world thinks I'm crazy. And I think as a church, there's times that the world looks at us and, and they say, those guys out there, those cats are crazy. Right? What are they doing and why are they doing it? If they're not saying that, there's probably something wrong. But man, Noah... A guy who built an ark for a place that never flooded before? The world must have thought, man, he is out of his mind. You look at verse 7 in chapter 11. It says, By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he con condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. He became an heir of righteousness by his faith. And though the world thought he was crazy, he feared the Lord. And he followed because he feared the Lord. You go on down and you look at Abraham. And Abraham has a pretty good portion of this chapter. But I want to point out just a few things. When he was struggling to see God's will when he was struggling to see what where God was taking him remember when God told him to get up out of the land of your childhood and go to a place and what he say I will show you he got up and he left he didn't even know where he was going and, and sometimes I feel like that in my life I'm, I'm struggling to see God's will I know he's taking me somewhere but I don't know where he's taking me man how Frustrating that must have felt. But then in verse 10 of this chapter, chapter 11, he says, For he looked for a city 
which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, yeah, God was taking him somewhere in his life, but he had a hope beyond this life. He had a hope beyond what this world had for him. And that drove him to be the person that God wanted him to be. And then we look a little further and we see Sarah. Man, if you think Sarah dealt with doubt, man, probably to the most extreme. This woman, almost 100 years old, is now being told by God that she's going to conceive and bring forth a son. I think... I, I think I would experience some doubt there. And, and, and that's exactly the kind of scenarios that we need to take from this chapter and see how did they do it? How did they make it through? And it was faith. They took faith everywhere they went and they said, listen, my God's bigger than my circumstance and He's going to get me through. And when you struggle with doubt, think about Sarah. When we don't even think God can do it, He can he can make it happen. <laughs> then I think about Moses. Oh man, some of y'all have been there. People just coming to you, complaining. People, uh, maybe it's somebody uh, you work for, or somebody you are over in the workplace, and complaint just bombards you. Let me tell you, these people out in the wilderness bombarded Moses with complaint. I think as they were leaving Egypt, it says they begin to murmur. Have you brought us out here to die? And, and there was this great body of water right here in front of them. And they thought, look, the Egyptian army, we're, we're dead. We are dead. Moses, what have you done? But guess what? God was still in control. He said, look, I'll build you a highway right here. All right. And he did. He did. Listen, Moses had so much faith. And I think about that when, when my life and when maybe it's just my own complaints. And I think of complain, complain, complain. And I'm like, no, God's got this. God is in control and he can make a body of water separate. He can make uh, the impossible possible because he's God. And what we can't fathom in our minds, guess what? He's got it under control. And then I think about Rahab. Rahab. Have you ever been scared to be different? Think about the pressure Rahab faced as she began to harbor the spies. As she had those spies in her house. And, and now she's literally, I would consider it treason to her own country. Because she's harboring these spies. But guess what? She feared the Lord enough to know that this was right. She feared the Lord enough to know that these men were God's men. What does verse 31 say about Rahab? It says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. That's beautiful to me. This woman... Contrary to the whole nation, walked out alive because she put her faith in God. We could go on and go on, but just a few more. Look at verse 32 and 33. And what shall I more say? 
for the time would fall, fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jeph Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouth of lions. Wow. The first one there as I was reading through it that came to mind was Gideon. And Gideon thought, I'm not the right man for the job, Lord. Surely you're not calling me. And then I think of the story of David even and how he was a rudy boy and, and how he must have thought, really me, a king? But guess what? It was their faith that saw them through. I want to point your attention to verse 13, backing up. Chapter 11, verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Wow. These men and women, they were given the promises of God and they never saw the fulfillment of it. But you know what? They kept on. They kept on going. And when they never saw the fulfillment of it, that didn't mean God wasn't in control. It doesn't bring, mean that God wasn't bringing it about. It meant that they had done their part and now they were turning it over to the Lord. They died in faith, never seeing the result of their actions. Man, when I read that verse, it humbled me. Because there's some things on this earth that I'll never see the result of. There's things on this earth that I've done and I'll never see the fruit of that labor. And guess what? That's okay. Because I've got faith that the Lord is going to bring forth the harvest. With me or without me. Imagine Abraham sitting at night looking at the stars. And saying, Lord, how in the world are you going to make my offspring equivalent to that? And I've only got one righteous son. Mm. But you know what? He did it. And he's doing it. And, 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 and then Abraham maybe asked himself, how in the world will all nations be blessed by me? He never saw the result of that. But listen, one day King Jesus came and the Lord fulfilled that promise. And the, the Lord is fulfilling these things whether we can see it or not. And we've got to turn our eyes to Him and realize that He is greater than what we can just see. The cloud of witnesses, I believe, for us continues into the apostles, the way that they were persecuted, the way that they were killed for the faith. John separated from society out on the Isle of Patmos because of his faith. Paul shipwrecked, beaten, killed for his faith. And then more recently, I think you could even uh, look at the examples of men from this decade, or not decade, but this time period more recently, maybe John Tyndale who wanted people to be able to understand the Bible. And he died for that. 
I praise the Lord for these men and women that give us examples to go back and reflect on and say, you know what, I've been overcome with these things, but they made it through and so can I. You know what verse 37 and 38 of chapter 11 says about these men and women? It says they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Look at this next part. Of whom the world was not worthy. Man, what a statement. In the Bible, it says that David, that Abraham, that these men and women, the world was not worthy of them. When we humble ourselves before God, He will lift us up. And that's what He's doing right here. He's saying, look, these men and women, I have exalted and the world wasn't even worthy of them because of their faith. Guys, the faith we have today is because men and women that were willing to suffer to get the gospel to us. Man, they were tough as nails. And then I think about Jesus' example. We have the cloud of witnesses, but we also have a beautiful man named Jesus Christ who gave us an example. Look at verse 2. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Beautiful, beautiful thing here. I want to take a step back really quick. Tell you about Jesus and his personality. And how he carried himself. If you remember, Jesus walked into the temple one time. He began to flip tables because of the sin that had made its way into the temple. And when they looked at this man and what he was doing, I want you to recall their response. It was not, who do you think you are? (laughs) It's not what they said. In Mark 11... Mark 11 and verse 18, this is what the scripture said. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him. Man. Man, he was tough as nails. That was my Jesus. He did what was right. No no matter what society would think of him, no matter what the religious people would think of him, he did what was right. That's my Jesus. Then we keep reading and we get to the point that it says that Jesus hung on the cross. I think about this. He went through the flogging. He went through the torment there. But as I read this passage, this is what stands out to me. It says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. 
I don't really see hanging on a cross as a joyous moment. Right? But this was the joy that Jesus had in his mind. I'm paying for his sin. I'm paying for her sin. I'm doing the will of the Father. <laughs> the joy that Jesus had as he hung on that cross was the joy of seeing you and me with him for all eternity. That's the joy that, that Jesus had in mind. And listen, that's a big deal. Because Jesus hung there on the cross. He endured the pain. He was willing to suffer because He knew what He had to do. And He was not willing to turn away from it. Isaiah 50 and 6 and 7 says, uh, it's a Masonic prophecy. That tells us he would set his face as a flint. In Luke 9.51 it said he set his face towards Jerusalem. That's what Jesus did. He, he, he was so gung-ho about it. That he wasn't going to let anything stand in his way. Let's go back and read the very first scripture we read tonight. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. It says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us hide, whine, complain, hoard our resources just in case, put our Bibles in a drawer, build a bombshell, uh, shelter, buy ammunition, blame the cops, blame the president, blame teachers, blame our mamas, demand the rights, build a wall, tax the rich, play it safe. It doesn't say any of that, does it? But that's what the world thinks. What it says is let us lay aside anything that's going to get in the way of serving our Lord and Savior. Let us... Lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. Let's put it to the side. Because He is worth it. He is so worth it. It says lay aside every weight. It also says let us run with patience. Consistency. That word patience, it has this thought of endurance. To make sure that we can finish the race strong. And what he means by that is not necessarily holding back. But he means we need to run the race consistent. I am so tired of this world seeing inconsistent Christians. People who say this and go and do this. That's not what the world needs to see. They need to see people giving their all to the Lord and serving Him wholeheartedly. Let us run unwavered, consistent, and put our all in the race. And then as we look at verse 2, and the very first thing he says is looking unto Jesus. We've got to fix our eyes somewhere. In our lives, we're going to fix our eyes on what we want to achieve. We're going to fix our eyes on, on our family. We're going to fix our eyes on so many things. But most of all, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. You see, the apostles couldn't have done what they did if they didn't have their eyes fixed on Jesus. They couldn't. 
But they had their eyes fixed on Jesus, who the scripture declares is the author and the finisher of our faith. He got this ball started and he's going to finish it one day. And if he is going to get it started and he's going to finish it one day, then we've got to trust in him that he's going to bring about his promises. When we can't understand it, guess what? He's the author and the finisher. And he's got it. Verse 4. The writer of Hebrews just really seems to rub it in here. If we're not already somewhat offended, this is what he says in verse 4. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Hmm. Well, thanks. <laughs> Make me feel little and worthless. Uh, but that's, that's what the writer says. And, and as I got to looking at that and thinking about it, just think if, if we took all our problems and went to a big committee meeting with the apostles and these saints of the Old Testament. Can you imagine that meeting? Well, we've got some people complaining. The carpet's not the right color. We've got others that just think we're crazy for doing what we're doing. And we're tired. We've been doing this a long time. We're heartbroken. And I, remember, I, I would just imagine the apostles' response as they take off our belts and they're about to whoop us. That's it? <laughs> you haven't even suffered blood yet? That's what this author's getting to. We've got it really good and we've got a really good opportunity here in the land we live in. But we've got to understand that this Christian Walk isn't about fields of lilies all the time. This Christian walk, we may have to suffer, but I remember what Paul said. He counted it a privilege to suffer with Christ. God wants us for His service. And Christians, church members, let us lay aside every weight that's going to stand in that way. Of running that race that he's called us, us to run. And let's fix our eyes on the Lord. As we get ready for him of invitation. There's a lot we can do in this life. That the world would define keeps us safe. But if we're not doing the Lord's will, there's not anything in this world that can keep us safe. And I don't mean that to scare you. I don't mean that to, to throw an overshadow. Listen, the Lord wants us to run His race. And He's willing to love us so much that He's not going to give up. And He's going to bring us back whatever it takes. I love him tonight. But I love him because I know that he hung on that cross for the joy. For the joy that was set before him. If you're here tonight 
and you don't understand that joy, let me explain it to you. He died so that He could know you. So that you could know Him. And so that you could spend all eternity with Him. And He wasn't willing to give up on you. He wasn't willing to get off that cross for one second because He knew He was dying in your place. Whatever decision you need to make tonight, please make it as we stand.